This episode of the Mother Loving Future Show is brought to you by Amber Lestrange and Jenna Penrose with JMO 5000 Productions. Welcome to the Mother Loving Future Show. We're your hosts, Amber and Jenna, and today we're discussing anxiety, a hidden gift. For show notes, more on anxiety, a hidden gift, find our website, themotherlovingfuture.com. And don't forget to check out this week's article on spiritual warfare, what side are you on, to help with disassociating yourself from any negative forces in your life, including anxiety. Yep. (laughs) Okay, Jenna's feeling a little anxious today, which is perfect. She's really living this topic. Um, Jenna, do you want to kick us off with your definition? Yes, I do. So anxiety is officially defined as a persistent feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, um, typically about an imminent event or something with uncertain outcome. This can culminate in nervous or compulsive behaviors or panic attacks, as they do for me. Um, Feeling anxious prevents you from enjoying the moment and puts your mind in a negative downward spiral. However, anxiety can be used as an indicator pointing directly at what you need to heal. Boom. That is brilliant. Because most people just get debilitated by anxiety, right? And don't know how to get out of it and manage it and just cope with it their whole life rather than looking at it as an indicator and maybe your higher self or your your body is trying to wake you up to something you need to heal. Totally. Like within the medical paradigm, you would see anxiety as more a disease, something that you need to be treated with pharmaceuticals, there would never be looking at the core root of why this is happening or how that can help you heal. Great. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your anxiety. Yeah. So I definitely suffer from just what I would describe as paralyzing anxiety and from different points in my life, it has been worse. And, um, you know, I've lived a very lucky life. I, um, really haven't had any major traumatizing events happen, although I think there have been micro traumas, um, which are actually sometimes harder to find because they're, they're small. They're little tiny things that, that habituated you over time into um, fear patterns. So I think that did happen. But um, starting probably when I was in high school, I, I definitely felt this um, persistent just inability to enjoy the moment and feeling of anxiety, like just feeling of tense nervousness. Um, yeah. So when I was in high school, I definitely tried to, um, to fill that, to help myself by self-medicating with, um, you know, different drugs, which never, never really helped only really made me feel worse. Um, I was officially diagnosed with anxiety. And, um, I was by a psychiatrist and I was put on, um, Klonopin, if you can believe that, um, which is an anti-anxiety drug, which I took, but it made me into a complete zombie. I couldn't remember an entire semester of college I lost because I was on that drug. Wow. So, um, realized that wouldn't work for me. Um, and that was sort of at the same time in my life where I was going deeper into my psychology and sort of, um, looking for for reasons that I was feeling this way. And so how does anxiety play out in your life now? Well, right now, um, it mostly is a physical feeling in my solar plexus, um, which feels like a tightness or a vice that's around my solar plexus chakra. 
um, which is also where the adrenal glands are. And I, for me, it's very connected to adrenal. So it, it feels like I'm constantly pumping this adrenal, um, like adrenaline, really. Like how you, you might feel if you were under attack or you really needed to... Um, needed the adrenaline to survive. It's like that, but it's all the time. So it's like an adrenal fatigue that happens. So it's a physical kind of experience you have when you get anxiety. What about your head? What thoughts? Does it so, affect yeah. your thoughts? Yeah. Oh yeah. The thoughts are what I would describe as a, a negative downward spiral where if you, if you allow yourself to, to begin to loop in these anxious thoughts, which present themselves along with the physical sensations, then it's just endless. And if you choose not to engage, I find if I choose not to engage mentally, it becomes very physical, overwhelming physical feeling. Wow. And do you experience this on the daily? Yeah. And like less and less as I've gotten older and as I've gotten, um, you know, stronger in my spiritual practice. It is definitely ameliorated, meaning made it better. But um, I'd say for a good 10 years, I was paralyzed. Wow. Okay. So how else does it affect your life? Like, let's talk about today, like now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, no, well, not yeah, right let now. Let me tell like- you a story, for example, about yesterday. Um, yesterday, you know, I have a nanny that has just, this is her second wor- week working. And, um, yesterday I was going to come back at one thirty, and I came back and, um, when I came back, the nanny was walking with the baby around the block. I didn't know they were walking around the block. When I came back, they were gone and they weren't there. And all I knew is like, where? where's my baby? And I seriously, basically within seconds, within, within two minutes at one thirty-two, she came back. So this all happened within two minutes. Longest two minutes the of The longest life. two minutes. My mind was like, your baby's dead. She stole your baby. Like every <laughs> horrible thing that you could Paul possibly. Veronica. Yeah. And then of course I didn't, I hope she's not listening, but she might be. Um, <laughs> because like, no, it's not about Veronica. It's about me. You know, it's about the fact that this is how my mind reacts. Within the first two minutes of not knowing where my baby is, I, I have gone through, through this downward spiral mentally of like, literally I couldn't see. It was like my whole world was like, wow. Oh, like wow. my world was closing in. My heart started beating extremely fast. There was a tension and tightness in my solar plexus that gripped me like claws. Ooh. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't even see. Like I was losing my vision. Wow. Yeah. And that's all within two minutes. And it was like pumping adrenaline, pumping, pumping. What about your breath? Were you losing I your I couldn't breath? breathe. Okay. It, so that's a panic attack. It's a panic. Yeah. And it, it didn't fully blow out into a panic attack because I've definitely experienced panic attacks. And it's for me, what did that, if it, in that spiral, it would go down even further to the point that I'm literally in a pile on the floor, mm. like shaking. Wow. And like, it didn't get to that point. Thank God. Um, so, but you, that's an example. Okay. So would you say that at the root of your anxiety, the actual process of it, you get a thought, which then triggers the physical experience you have, which sends your mind into like this crazy fear loop. It's you, it's always a trigger, a trigger, a situation which triggers it. And like, I, my, I tried to live without triggering my anxiety and I, my poor husband also tried to live without triggering my anxiety, but it's, it's not possible. Then you're walking on eggshells and it's like, you're always going to get triggered. So you, you have to go through it. And is there one particular theme that's the trigger? Well, I've noticed a lot of my anxiety comes to my to, down around my children. 
and my children's well-being. And um, what's interesting is I was doing some meditation um, around this yesterday, ironically, and I was really coming to that before I had children, I was anxious that I would never have children. Hmm. Up until the day I got pregnant, I was like so scared that I would never get pregnant. I needed, I, I needed to have these children so bad. From the time I was a little kid, like I, I had such a desire and drive to be a mother that I am. Um, that's really like, I feel like that was making me anxious before. Like it was like before I would have thoughts like, am I going to find a partner? Like, is he going to love me? Am I going to, is there going to be anything wrong with my body? Is there going to be anything wrong with his body? Like persistent thoughts, like even as a 21 year old before, like 10 years before I would have a child, like I was already thinking like that, you know? Um, and so that, and then after I became a mother, then it all of a sudden took the form of my baby's going to die. Like if, if I leave my baby for one second, like my baby is going to die. Wow. Yeah. Living in fear. It's living in fear. And like going back to, you know, my, my childhood, as I said, like I didn't have any major traumas, which would make me feel this way. You know, it's just not really connected to anything that, um, the one thing in my childhood is that my family are very fear-based and prone to anxiety. So they're very much living in fear. Even my, my mother, my grandmother, who I love so much, everything is, is fear-based, you know, like. Um, I'll get a, you know, a text like, like Jesse really, my husband shouldn't ride his bike across the city because that's dangerous. You know, he could die or like, don't go to Yosemite because rocks are falling on people and like, you could die. <laughs> like, just like, don't, if we go on a vacation, don't eat anything on the street because you know, it could have like something in it and you could die. Like, okay, great. Th- this is giving me clues because I don't really suffer from anxiety here and there, but mm-hmm. I'll get to that later. But you're saying that there's nothing in this lifetime that has been a major trauma to mm-hmm. trigger or to implement this anxiety mm-hmm. as a daily thing. Mm-hmm. So do you think because your family in your DNA and your genetics, they mm-hmm. have this like, you know, um, kind of inclination to be anxious. Do you think anxiety can be, um, inherited? Well, I think definitely energy patterns are inherited, you know? So like, and whether you see that as your actual gene and genes and like genetic makeup, or if you look at it as more of a nurture thing where you're taking on the energetic patterns of your family. And I look at it like more like the second and that our genes sort of like, um, mirror that energy. But um, yeah, I think it totally can come down through families. And I think that is a, is a weakness in my family is to, to have that fear. But it's, the fear is very much around survival. You know, it's, 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 it's like staying safe. And I think part of it is because my family is not religious. They're very scientific. They would probably all think that when you die, you die. And so it's like, that's it for them. If they die, like it's, that's it. Like there's nothing beyond this. So we better, we have to like protect this life so much, you know? And so, yeah, that's back to like the micro traumas. So I think I was micro traumatized into having a fear-based, um, perception of the world from my family. And you had a predisposition to it genetically. Yeah. So your like environmental um, experience mm-hmm. in your upbringing probably triggered mm-hmm. your predisposition to it. Mm-hmm. And then I know that you have another philosophy about, um, you know, 
how do I put this, how you can inherit certain ways of being in this world that don't make sense. So, so there are certain ways that um, you are or certain thoughts or your anxiety, for example, you have a idea that they maybe come from a multidimensional space. <laughs> well, let me clarify. Okay. <laughs> because yes, um, I, I mean, basically, let me take you back to the part of the story where I'm like in my mid twenties and I'm trying to figure out what the root of this anxiety is. And, you know, even going on into like more recently. And um, so this is kind of when I started to have a spiritual awakening, when I started to uh, really have a sense of my mission in this life. Um, it's also when I started, you know, to do past life regression. What's interesting about that is that um, when I was doing past life regression, and I think I, I remember I shared on our episode about past life regression, which you can um, download a couple episodes back. Um, I talk about my first experience of having um, a vision of myself in the 1300s as a male, like a knight, riding through a forest and somebody behind me shooting me basically through the adrenal gland. And as I lay dying, I thought of my, I had three children, I had a young wife and they were, I thought of them as I was dying and I thought that like I couldn't take care of them. So that's the first, it's interesting. And when I did that past life regression, I was like trying to get to the root of my anxiety and that came up. So that was the first thing that came up through past life regression. And, and as I did it extensively, so as I did more regression, I found out that there was a lot of experiences. Maybe I'm just thinking off the top of my head, maybe like 10 to 12 times when, um, you know, I was killed for speaking my truth. I was trying to, you know, represent the divine feminine or these esoteric truths. And I was, I was killed. My children were killed. My children were taken away from me. Horrible things happened, uh, but that broke and hurt the bond between a mother and child throughout these different past life experiences. So I had come to understanding that I did have trauma from past lives where my children were killed or taken away. And that really makes sense. And that plus understanding my mission in this life, which is, you know, it's our mission, the mother loving future. It's the fact that we are at this wherever like our children are born, we're at this tipping point of the planet right now where like these kids being born right now are going to be the first wave of this new paradigm as I see it. So I, I always felt like my mission was very connected with my children in this life and being able to like raise them in the new paradigm that's crucial to my mission. So those two aspects that came to me through deep meditation and past life regression, um, factored in to let me understand a little bit greater, um, why I was experiencing these emotions. Wow. Awesome. So that's really a good kind of point for our listeners. If you do suffer from anxiety and you can't quite find the, tr the trauma or the, the place of birth, the original kind of like point where that, um, where the anxiety came from, maybe look into your past life. Totally. You know, for me, I feel like I had that original like um, experience as a you know as a night, like I said, where they killed me and my children as I lay dying, or they killed me and as I lay dying, I thought about my children, and I feel like that could have been the first like trauma within my energy body, and then that kept getting repeated. So I had had like multiple traumas like in that same like wound, basically, and that's why for me in this life, it's like so connected to 
my children and my children dying. And, you know, it's interesting because I have this mantra, which I've been using just recently of like, not in this life, like this is not, not in this life. They're not going to die in this life. They're not going to be taken away from me in this life. And so I've been combating it with that mantra and it's really been helping. Okay, great. And so you're using a mantra to move through anxiety. What other things do you find work? So another thing that I find really works um, is this breathing exercise, which um, we'll invite you to do this as a challenge. But um, just to kind of give you an overview of... So, you know, anxiety can be... It is a mental and a physical thing. But if you can f- locate the physical point at which your anxiety is manifesting. So for me, that's in my solar plexus. Um, I know for some people it could be like their tummy or it could be like their neck or, you know, a place in their back or wherever it is, or maybe like headaches, wherever it is for you that, you know, it is, it's um, coming up to breathe into that space like 25 to 100 really deep breaths into that space and just opening up that space and intentionally breathing into it. Because if you're like me, you're not doing that because everything, even if you're breathing and doing deep breathing, you're, it's like, you're You're distracted by thoughts or you're not, you're, it's like, you can't breathe into that because when you breathe into that and release it, it's like, it's, it's like this healing thing. You have to be intentional about it or else you just won't do it. You know? Yeah, I think that's the. So basically, if you are feeling anxiety, instead of moving away from it and distracting yourself or ignoring it or trying to self medicate, move into it with intentional yes. breathing, yes. visualization. Yes. And also in the background, try to understand where it comes mm-hmm. from, like mm-hmm. the legitimate birth of that mm-hmm. um, thought or whatever it is that triggers your anxiety. Mm-hmm. Great. And, and do you have any visualizations when you're doing that um, breathing exercise? Well, what I visualize is I visualize I breathe in the universal light of love. So I'm just loving into that space and I'm breathing out any fear or tension. So I'm just like breathing the love and healing energy into that space and I'm breathing out any tension in that space. And if you're like me, the tension in these spaces are is so deep and like hardcore that it's like, you're going to do have to do it as a practice, but if you do it as a practice, then little and little over time, you're going to be chipping away at it and you're going to be loosening these, these little pockets of, yeah. yeah. Okay. So you've got a breathing meditation for in the moment when you're feeling anxious, how Mm -hmm. to get through that. Are there any other tricks or tips? So another trick is, um, disassociating from the negative voice in your head. And if you I, want to know more about that, you really should read our spiritual warfare yeah. article we release. It's yes. On Bec- point. Because this is a form of spiritual warfare. And in a sense, like when you have a mission, when you want to help the world and you're inhibited by anxiety, like I am, then it really becomes spiritual warfare because you're trying to fight the light side, but you're stopped within yourself because of your own anxiety. And then you really need to overcome that in order to continue the fight for the light side. So it really is a spiritual warfare thing. So check out our spiritual warfare article. Um, but back to your question, um, so part of anxiety and why it's so such a mind F mm. is because 
it speaks to you in your own voice, in your own head and tells you everything horrible, like of your greatest fears. And it's such a loud and intense voice in your own head. And it feels like your own voice, like your own thoughts that you think, these are my thoughts. Like I have to think them, this is real, you know? But for me, the trick has been to, um, disassociate disassociate and be like no that is not my voice that is the voice of my anxiety and that's not me and no brilliant yeah so it's not you therefore you don't have to see it as the truth yes or real and you can see that it's got a mission to take you down Mm -hmm. and if you buy into it then you're buying into this illusion and being taken down so instead you look at it and go Oh, like we could call it the negative ego or the the negative mind, right? You see the negative mind coming in and you just watch it and then you go, oh, that's my negative ego or anxiety trying to take me down and it's not real. And I see you and I'm going to, how do you blast it out of there? Like positive affirmations or, or just noticing it is enough or how do you stop it from spiraling you down? Positive mantra, because if you think about anxiety, it's a negative thought loop. So how do you combat a negative thought loop? You, you combat it with a positive mantra because you're intentionally forcing your mind instead of going into a negative thought loop, you're forcing it to go into a positive thought loop. And, and so we, so everyone should have one on call that, that battles their own personal Mm -hmm. thought loop, what they usually get anxious about. Yeah. And like for me, for example, with my children, my, my mind might be, um, not in this lifetime, my children are going to survive in this lifetime. You know, and I might just say that to myself over and over and over, or I might need Jesse, my husband to tell me that over and over, like, honey, the kids are going to survive in this lifetime. I might need to hear that like 20 times just to combat the negative thought loop. You know, I just need to hear it over and over and over. And the more habituated that you, you know, anxiety is a habituation of your mind into the negative thought pattern. So to break a habit is really hard. Um, so your mind is going to try to get, get you everything to get you back into that negative thought loop and you just have to fight it, fight it, fight it. Okay, great. And so what about, um, physical, physically moving the energy? Yeah. So exercise or exercise, um, exercise those demons (laughs) of something I've been working on because I'm not good at exercising. Um, but I am going to do it because I you need, are doing, doing I'm doing you're it. doing I'm, jogs in the every morning day, right? yes every day so good um so that's been really good and also yoga spine moving your spine you know because your spine is like your chakra column and so like any stuck energy in your chakra column is going to be they're in your spine. So doing also all the nerve endings that kind of get sent up to your brain come from your spine as well, right? Oh yeah. The spinal cord. Yeah. So then that's, um, recalibrating your thoughts and helping you bring in new thoughts. Maybe. Yeah, totally. Great. Okay. Sure. Um, Uh, okay. So exercise, moving the spine, breathing, meditation, what do you think about disassociation? What, what do you think about getting um, to the root of it through past getting lives? to the root of it? That's kind of number one, I would say, what do you think about, um, like diet? So the food you eat, the caffeine, all those oh, caffeine. kind of things. Caffeine <clears throat> is like horrible. Like, so caffeine starts the physical anxiety, yes. which then takes you up to the head yes. and releases the mental anxiety. Well, what, happens what happens with caffeine is I don't really get the mental thought loops with caffeine. I just get the physical feeling of like nervousness. Hmm, okay. Yeah. So I guess someone would have to really pay attention and notice how they're feeling in their body after having, you know, a black tea or, or a cup of coffee or whatever it may be. Yeah. 
Totally. I, yeah. And so any, any ideas around diet? Do you think that affects? I haven't noticed diet affecting my anxiety, but I also am a very picky eater and I don't eat a lot of... You eat clean. I eat pretty clean. I mean, I can't say that I eat like perfectly clean because I do... I guess if your anxiety is connected to body issues or energy issues or anything like that, then your diet, you know, would obviously... Um, affect that. Well, I mean, I think, and where I'm kind of at with diet and exercise and everything with any kind of health problem, mental health or physical health problem, if you're not eating clean organic food and you're not exercising regularly and drinking a lot of water, that needs to be the first thing you try, you know? Yes, (laughs) totally agree. And then if that's, if you're in order there and then you're still having issues, then yeah. Okay. So my next question to you, we've looked at some things that people can start exploring to um, move through anxiety. Do you think that anxiety can be fully eradicated or do you think it's something people have to live with and manage? Um, My honest answer to this question is I think we're moving into a paradigm in which anxiety can be completely healed. I think as long as we continue in our current world situation paradigm, like um, I don't see my anxiety being completely healed, for example. But you are a pretty unique case. Like you're an empath, right? Do I just explain, you know, explain what an an empath is and how that affects your day to day? Yeah. Well, I'm like an extreme empath, which means I'm hypersensitive to energies. And, um, you know, that's what makes me psychic. That's what makes me hardcore intuitive. That's, I mean, I'm, and it's a blessing and a curse. Um, and so part of that for me is just being so in tune with the world and the suffering of the people of this world that I cannot just find my bliss and tune out the suffering of like 6 billion people. Like I just can't do that or the earth herself because the earth is suffering. And um, I can't make that disassociation. So for me, in order for me to find my peace of mind, I'd have to share it with all humankind, you know? Beautiful. That's your therapy. So, I mean, for, and because of a lot of my anxiety, I think is connected to my mission, which is like the mission I feel is my mission is shifting the consciousness of the planet through the children, through the children and through whatever. So, I mean, I'm working on that. And, and so I have an anxiety to, and a destination towards that mission. I'm always constantly feeling like I need to like keep going on that. So, um, I think hopefully as the paradigm shifts, um, we can all move towards where we're going and our missions will feel more complete and we will be more healed and hopefully collectively, like, yes, anxiety can heal. I feel, I mean, as you know, I don't suffer from debilitating anxiety, but I have had major traumas and things in the past. You should be suffering from major (laughs) I should be, that's true. And I do have a story about when I have experienced anxiety and and why and how I got through it. Yeah, tell me, I would love to know. I will, but... um, What I was going to say is that I really, really believe that our systems, our brains and our cellular makeup have this remarkable ability to, um, to, uh, recalibrate and to be rebirthed and to change the, the direction in our brain and, and to be able to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like we can heal. 
Mm-hmm. We have this, if you just allow yourself the space mm-hmm. and have a game plan of mm-hmm. how to redirect your thoughts, mm-hmm. how to like really move into your traumas and your fears and through a therapist or a healer or your own work, whatever it may be, I really, really believe each individual has an incredible opportunity to reestablish neuropathways, yes. belief systems, yes. um, energetic like systems in their body. Yes. We really, I think we can get yes. over anxiety. I don't think yes. you're just stuck with it for the rest of your oh, life, no. but it takes in intention and really totally. n- understanding the root of it and how it plays out and really studying it rather than just like ignoring it. So I think we can. Yes, I agree um, with everything you said. And also just back on your empath note, um, if you are going out into the world and you're sensitive to the energies around you, is there, for anyone else who can relate to that out there, is there anything you do to um, to lessen the blow of that and to protect yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, there's energetic shielding meditations, which I will link to the show notes. Like I always do because I cannot stress enough how important this is, um, out there, you know, we're these little energetic beings in a world of forces, just, you know, unaware of the forces that we're even up against. So, um, so yeah, that's crucial. So a lot of meditating, visualizing and just commanding your personal space. The most important thing is commanding your personal space, like with intention, because we have the right to our personal space and our personal auric field to be shielded and to be in alignment with the highest law, which is the law of one, which is the law of source of God, of love, like of oneness. Like we are able to manifest, you know, embody that and safely, um, in a shield. So as long as we're commanding our personal space, um, we should be good. There was also one thing I told you about recently when you were like, I just, I'm an empath. I feel everything. I'm just going to be like this way forever. And you were like having a hard day about it. And I said to you, Jenna, there's like a psychological angle you can also take where when you're feeling like you're taking on other people's woes and pains and traumas and you know you feel guilty about things and you're like oh did I upset them and I'm sad because they're sad I said to you story okay, of my life yeah and story I said of to my you life. Jenna like shift your pr- perspective in that moment where you originally feel the hit of like I'm taking I feel guilty or I'm taking on their sadness stop yourself and repeat to yourself Every single human has a right to their experience. Every single human has their own path to walk. And it is not my duty or place to take that on or to try change that. You're actually doing that person a disservice by trying to fix, solve, improve their issue. Really allow them to have their experience. And and it's not good or bad. It's just their journey in this lifetime. Not take it personally and just be like, okay, I'm having my experience. They're having theirs. I'm not responsible. Um, and just to speak to that, you did tell me that maybe like two weeks ago and it has really helped. I have put that into action many, many times since that, almost like a positive mantra to combat the negative thought loop of like, and for me, it's, 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 it's more like I feel their pain, you know, and it's hard to not Not feel feel it because I feel it. But like, but you know, you know, just being able to say and not focus on that part, but just being focused on like, well, this is their pain, but this is their journey. And I don't have to take on all the pain. And and they're entitled to that. And their journey is leading them to where they need to go yeah. and allow them that space. And as we know, the head and the body is completely connected. So maybe when you start moving that thought pattern, mm-hmm. you, would the, you will then feel less perhaps. 
Mm-hmm. Fingers I, crossed. I agree. I don't know. I think it's just like, I'm like the, the mother. I have like the divine mother energy that just wants to, everyone who suffers, I just want to hold them and just be like, Aww. it's okay. You know? You can without taking it on. I, I mean, all healers have that problem, right? To try to protect themselves from taking on what they're helping someone heal. Totally. And that's one of the number one questions I would ever ask a healer that I would go see that to see if they had that practice because it's so crucial. Well, um, I guess I will throw out my kind of experience with anxiety before we wrap up. I, um, I don't have a major relationship with anxiety. I can tell you though, the first time I ever felt like legitimate anxiety was in a panic attack. Um, I guess actually, I guess it's not true because it was accumulating subtle anxiety that was accumulating. And then I had a panic attack and then it was just like full blown, whoa, something is physically really debilitating here and not right. So in my experience, I would usually get anxiety when I was interacting in a thought or an action, which was out of alignment with my truth. So whether that be like, I don't know, like during my youth, if I was like, gossiping about my best friend afterwards I would have this like pit in my stomach and start to get paranoid about oh my gosh are they going to find out and that was why did I do that and and send me into this like kind of anxious state and it was because I was going against my truth I feel like it's a manifestation of guilt yeah exactly but that stems from not being in alignment with your truth your love totally like your you know so that's my experience with um, and also the other time when, when I got that panic attack, it stemmed from like heartache. Like I was in a super gnarly relationship and it was, you know, kind of like verbally abusive. And at this point it was kind of getting physically abusive. And I oh just God. felt I'm like, go kill book somewhere. Right <laughs> now. Don't worry. Come well, uh, is like playing it out. Hopefully please come on. Karma's a bitch, so I don't have to be. <laughs> That's right. Beautiful. So basically in that moment, like I felt so physically heartbroken that I think that I just got taken out. It was an expression of heartbreak for me. And that it was someone once told me that a a panic attack is your body not knowing that you're safe and it, it, your, your cellular structure is telling you you're dying. So it's like loss of breath. And like, you feel like you're dying. You feel like, like you're you dying. really think you're going to yeah. die. I couldn't catch my breath. I'm like, <gasps> yeah. And the more I tried to catch my breath, the more my breath was getting out of my control. And, and then I you start, start to get go dizzy, dizzy. And I'm yeah. like, oh my God, I'm dying. I know, I know. And <laughs> so for me, and then the weird thing was that trigger to that initial panic attack was ingrained into my into my brain. So it becomes a habituation that way. That's it. And a physical habituation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I don't know, like six months down the road, someone completely separate to the partner I was with at the time that triggered that anxiety did something that reminded me of that moment, which triggered my anxiety originally. And I could feel my brain diverting straight to those physical, um, that physical kind of um, reaction to it. And that's just it, you know, the trigger and then the habituated negative downward spiral. And And see, you haven't experienced it, but you just never really got habituated into it. Okay. So this is, this is the point of our entire conversation Mm -hmm. here today. The more I ignored 
what that indication was, what that panic attack was, the more it prolonged um, the, the, the kind of susceptibility to it happening again. And so I got to a point where actually recently when I started going to therapy, I got to a point where I'm like, okay, like when I get anxiety, which now comes in the form, I sometimes get rarely comes to the form of like paranoia or um, uh, feeling unsafe or whatever it may be, instead of distracting myself, looking away from it, like blaming something else, I stop and I go, right, this is an indication of something that I need to move into, understand, heal, close and move on. I'm not going to let this rule me. I'm not going to let this be part of my life, part of my thought pattern, part of my reality. What am I trying to wake myself up to? What is this panic attack? What is this anxiety telling me that I need to heal? What is it? Snap. Boom. Portrait of a healthy human right there. (laughs) Trying to be, you know, we've all got work to do. Yeah, but, but really that is like really beautiful. Yes. Totally resonates. So um, instead of just living with anxiety or instead of just being like, that's who I am and that's just the world, it's screwed up and I'm feeling it or whatever it may be, or just like medicating yourself and like trying to manage it and dumb it out, really use that anxiety as like, wow, this is like a gift. This is my highest self wanting me to be the best version of myself so I can be successful on my mission, so I can make a difference in the world, so I can be in action with something bigger. And maybe this is my opportunity to read between the lines and see what is in my field that I need to heal to be wholer and to like really fulfill my mission. Yeah. And you know, just, just, I completely hundred percent think what you said is like the key to life and not just with anxiety, but with any physical manifestation that comes up or any mental problem, depression, anxiety, anything. Totally. You know? Yes. 100%. Really take it on as your body's intelligence, waking you up to something that you have to take responsibility in facing and healing. Otherwise it's just going to rule you. Like don't misinterpret that as, Oh, well, this is just the human condition. Mm -hmm. I'm just stuck with it. Which is what we're always told. I'm like, no, I don't accept that. Yeah. So it's all about the upgrade process. And I know now, once again, our spiritual warfare article this week, I was just so inspired to write that because I was so anxious about the state of our world, just the nuclear warfare and like the shootings and all that stuff that's going on. And I was like, wait a second, wait a second, like... This is actually an opportunity for me to like look at the spiritual warfare going on within myself and get on top of it. And we have an opportunity here and to not ignore it, to be like, okay, yes, I trust my body's intelligence. It's telling me something. And what's my next step? So yeah, just a few thoughts. I agree. I agree. What can I say? Great. So do we have a little invitation or challenge for our listeners, Jenna? Yes. Yes, we do. Okay. So here's our invitation and challenge. Do you or someone you know suffer from anxiety? If so, we invite you to to do this exercise. Find the physical place that your anxiety is manifesting, then intentionally breathe 25 long, deep breaths into that spot on your body where you feel the anxiety. As you breathe, say the mantra, I breathe out this tension and I breathe in release. 
Beautiful. Love that. And also leave a comment. If if like, tell us if you suffer from anxiety, what has worked for you, you sharing your experience and your kind of like keynotes of wisdom will help others. And it'll help me. Please, please (laughs) tell me. What do you do that helps? Yeah, exactly. Um, So thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your support and we can't wait to have you with us next time. So ta-ta for now. Bye. Bye. Visit our website, themotherlovingfuture.com for more information. And please leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you like what you hear. We read every single review and comment, and we are so grateful for your support. See you next week.